Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. I just received a great email from Diane Kay, who says, my partner and I are considering starting a family. We can afford our expenses on just one salary, but I'm wondering what other financial issues a stay-at-home mom should consider, such as retirement, disability insurance, and preparing for potential divorce or death of a working spouse. Thank you so much for your question, Diane. Uh, You're definitely thinking about some very important and critical issues ahead of starting your family. So this show will cover nine strategies to protect your family with strong financial safety nets so you feel in control and you can manage whatever the future brings. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining me this week. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert who's been hosting the Money Girl podcast since 2008. I'm also an award-winning author, and my most recent title was an Amazon number one new release called Money Smart Solopreneur, a personal finance system for freelancers, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers. So if you're thinking about starting a business, or maybe you've already started a side hustle, or you're really wanting to increase your income sources, I hope you'll grab a copy. It's available as a paperback, an ebook, or an audiobook. And it includes everything like A to Z that you need to know about starting a small business, whether you're, you know, planning on being a solopreneur or maybe you want to hire some employees down the road. So I hope you'll check it out. And if you're on social media, be sure to connect with me. I'm on Twitter at Laura Adams, on Instagram at Laura D. Adams, and lauradadams.com is my personal site where you can either use my contact page to send me a message just like Diane did, or learn more about my work, books, and money courses. My mission is to help you get the knowledge and motivation to prioritize your finances, build lots of wealth, and have more security and less stress. So if that's what you want more of, you are definitely in the right place. And if you're enjoying the show, I'd love for you to take a moment to let us know. Your feedback is really, really important. If you're getting value from each weekly episode, take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast app. I'll thank you in advance for that. So Diane, while I'm not a parent, I've given lots and lots of money advice to families and couples who want to ensure that they're doing everything possible to build wealth and security for themselves and their kids. So I would say even if you're not a parent and you're listening to the show, stay with me because these strategies that we're going to cover 
likely apply to you as well. I mean, some of them are going to be more applicable to parents, but a lot of them are really going to apply, you know, no matter your station in life, no matter where you are, either just starting out in your career or whether you're already a parent. So let's get into it. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about nine strategies. And I will say that in general, protecting either your individual finances or your family finances comes down to anticipating potential expenses and crisis. You know, it it comes down to avoiding potential risks and ultimately, hopefully reducing money stress. That's a big part of having a healthy financial life. You know, being financially well, it really is about thinking through all like the what ifs, these terrible what ifs that could happen in life. And while it's not fun to think about those things, in a lot of cases, you really don't have to dwell on them. You just need to understand what they are, put some things in place that will either eliminate or reduce those risks, and then move on with your life, knowing that you've got those financial safety nets in place. Just like a smart acrobat would never cross a high wire without bringing along a balancing stick and having a big, strong net stretched out below, you and your family should never go without financial safety nets. They're just, you know, the foundation of financial wellness. So that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today. So the first strategy to protect your family is to create emergency documents. Now, this may seem a little counterintuitive because you may be thinking, well, Laura, that has nothing to do with savings. That has nothing to do with, you know, preparing for college or retirement. But that is the foundation where every family needs to start. And really, every adult should have emergency documents. But it's critical when you're a parent or you've got other dependents, like maybe aging parents who are depending on you. Those emergency documents make sure you're as prepared as possible for the most terrible what-ifs in life, including what if both parents die at the same time in an accident or are both incapacitated at the same time and can't make medical decisions for yourselves? You know, these are these types of terrible questions that I'm talking about. As awful as it is to think about them, I also want you to think about how difficult it would be for your family and friends if they don't know what you would want them to do in a terrible situation. So it's not only about, you know, you providing that peace of mind for yourself and, you know, for your kids. They may be not even old enough to to know that you have these documents, but it's also letting other loved ones know that you do have these plans in place. If you can clearly state your wishes in case there's a point where, you know, you pass away or you can't make any decisions for yourself, this is something that will be of a, a, you know, a really great blessing for your loved ones to have. So we're going to talk about four critical legal documents that single people and coupled parents should have. The first is a last will and testament. This explains your wishes after you die, such as who should get your assets, whether you want your ashes sprinkled in the Gulf Stream, and the guardian you designate for any minor children or even your pets. Many people mistakenly believe that a will is just for old rich people. Again, every single adult should have a will no matter your age, no matter your level of wealth. If you die without a will, 
What happens is the courts are going to decide what happens to your possessions, not your family. Your will should be updated periodically as your life changes, like maybe you move, you've got a new address, you get married, you get divorced, you have a child, you become a widow or a widower. All of these things, or you know, even changing relationships with your, your loved ones, should affect your emergency documents. You want to keep those in mind, especially your will. Another really important emergency document is called a power of attorney, or POA. That gives someone you trust, who is technically called your agent, the ability to make decisions and do some transactions for you while you're alive. And you can always change it or appoint more than one agent if you wish. And there are different kinds of powers of attorney, but a durable power of attorney is the most common type, and it can be used anytime you're incapable of doing routine things like paying your bills, selling property, signing contracts, making insurance claims, filing taxes, or making financial decisions. So if you were incapacitated, you want somebody else to be able to do those things for you, and likewise, You know, you want to be able to do those things for people in your life, maybe a spouse, a partner, or an aging parent. That's how the financial end of your life or a loved one's life can continue smoothly if you become incapacitated or even just unavailable when something important needs to get done. Another key document is called a healthcare proxy. And it's also known as a healthcare surrogate or even a healthcare power of attorney. It allows you to designate someone to make medical decisions for you when you can't. So imagine that you're in a severe accident and you become mentally incapacitated, either you know temporarily or permanently. A healthcare proxy would allow your agent to admit you into a healthcare facility or even apply for public benefits on your behalf. Again, this is just sort of a part of a package of emergency documents that you need. And another one is called a living will. This is similar to a healthcare proxy, but it applies when you're facing death. So you need both. You need a healthcare proxy and you need a living will. A living will specifies what you would want to happen regarding end-of-life care if you were in a vegetative state or just in the final stages of a terminal condition. It tells your family and your doctors whether you would want to extend your life artificially by various means or to die naturally, for instance. Something I often hear from married people is that they don't think they need these types of emergency documents because they say, well, I've got a spouse to make these crucial decisions for me if if something happens. Well, the problem is that jointly owned assets like your house or your car generally can't be sold without the consent of both of you. So, you know, if something happened to your spouse and you don't have power of attorney or, you know, you don't know their their wishes via healthcare proxy, it can be very difficult to, you know, get transactions and decisions made. Let's say your spouse has a bad accident and is in a coma. You could not sell assets that you own together if you needed money to pay your bills if that spouse was the breadwinner in the family. Nor could you sell a stock, for instance, that your spouse owns just in their name. Married couples and domestic partners should generally give each other durable power of attorney to avoid having these kinds of financial restrictions during a crisis. 
Now, if you're a parent and both of you die at the same time, or if one dies and the other is incapacitated, it's critical to name a guardian in your will. This is really critical. This is important so the court doesn't appoint one for you that would not be your first choice. So your emergency documents ensure that you and your children's future is protected no matter what happens. If you don't create these documents, after a tragedy occurs, it's too late to make a lot of these types of crucial decisions, you know, legally. So do yourself and your family a favor by getting all your emergency legal documents created as soon as possible. And if you haven't looked at yours in a while, if you already have them, but some things have changed in your life, go ahead and get them updated. It's much easier to prepare for a potential disaster than to recover from one that blindsides you. And you can use legal online sites for templates if you wish. However, having an estate attorney create them is definitely worthwhile because the laws vary from state to state about what's required. And a good estate attorney is going to ask you a lot of questions about your wishes that you may not even think about. You know, some things that you may not even may not even come into your brain to think about putting in a document. Yes, it's going to cost money. It could cost several hundred. It may even cost over $1,000 to get a package of documents created. But once they exist and they're signed by you, they're executed, the work is done. You know, you can feel at peace about it. And many attorneys will make necessary small changes for, for free or even a minimal charge down the road. If you need to just, you know, make some small change like a beneficiary or an address, that sort of thing. You can keep your original signed legal documents in a safe place, like a bank safe deposit box. That's a great option, or even at your attorney's office. Uh, But it's also wise to keep copies of everything at home, just in case you need them at night or on a weekend. If you've got a fireproof safe or a a fireproof filing cabinet that locks at home, that's a great place. You might want to put them in a Ziploc bag just to make sure that they couldn't be damaged by water. You can also scan them and upload them to a free online storage site such as Dropbox so they also live in the cloud. But you definitely need to keep all original documents that have like a seal on them where they were notarized, you know, created by an attorney. You don't ever want to just scan them and throw away the originals. Keep those original documents somewhere safe. Okay, so once you've got your emergency documents, the second strategy to protect your family is building a cash reserve known as an emergency fund. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've definitely heard me talk a lot about emergency funds. It's just foundational for a healthy financial life. If you don't have a financial cushion to fall back on for some kind of a considerable unexpected expense or even a sudden cut in your income, it could take years or even decades to recover from some type of financial hardship or a crisis. It could be a car breaking down, medical bills, or again, losing your job or your business income. You know, these types of things are just part of life. They happen. So you've got to anticipate that it's going to be, you're going to have financial challenges at some point, but you can manage those hardships much more easily and without going into debt if you've got a healthy emergency fund there to back you up. I recommend keeping no less than three to six months worth of your living expenses in an FDIC-insured bank savings. And even though you're probably thinking, well, Laura, I'm not going to earn any money on that, 
I totally understand that, but that's not the purpose for your emergency savings. The purpose is to keep that emergency money completely safe and liquid you, so you could get to it, you know, just in a, in a quick amount of time, in an hour, let's say. If you invest that cash reserve, it's not going to be as liquid and the value could plummet the minute you need it. Plus, if you have to take money out of investments, you may be dealing with having to pay taxes on them or uh, early withdrawal penalties, that sort of thing from a retirement account. So you never want to invest that emergency money. Think of that as a separate bucket that you just keep totally separate and keep it in the bank. To determine how much emergency savings you need, just add up your monthly living expenses. So the things that you've, you know, you've got to have, like housing, utilities, insurance, groceries, your loan payments, and transportation, then multiply that by how many months you could need it. I would say three months at a minimum. Having enough money for emergencies should never be considered a luxury. It's something you must have for your financial wellness. And many of you are probably thinking, gosh, Laura, I don't have a dime saved for my emergency money. Don't worry about it. You just have to get started by making small steps every month. You're not going to accumulate a healthy emergency savings in the short term. It could take you years to accumulate enough. That's okay. Just start by putting small amounts in. You know, it could be $100 a month or $500 a month. Just try to get up to, let's say, $1,000 as quickly as you can, then take it higher than that. Make a goal to accumulate at least one month of your emergency savings as quickly as possible. It's going to eliminate a lot of stress in your life, I promise. You might want to consider keeping your emergency money in a high-yield savings. That will allow you to earn a little bit more interest than a regular checking. You can visit sites like finder.com that compare different checking and high-yield checking and even uh, you know money market funds to look at some of the options that may be available for you. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. 
This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, the third strategy to safeguard your family finances is having the right health insurance. So in addition to having emergency money in the bank, various insurance products are designed to be financial safety nets for individuals and families. Health insurance is essential for maintaining both your physical and your financial health, even if you're young and healthy. So everybody who is listening to this show should have health insurance. If you don't, you need to get it immediately. Even a quick trip to the emergency room for an illness or a broken bone could leave you with a substantial medical bill. Now, depending on your income and your family size, you may even be eligible for government assistance, which reduces the cost of health insurance. If you or a spouse or partner don't have a job with health insurance or you're self-employed, Visit healthcare.gov to learn more about getting coverage, no matter your health history or financial situation. So once your child is born or adopted, you've got 60 days to add them to your health plan. And if you miss that deadline, you're going to have to wait until the next open enrollment to insure your child. So as soon as you know you're starting a family, contact you or your spouse's employer, uh, the benefits administrator, to find out what paperwork to complete. Or if you're self-employed and you've got your own policy through healthcare.gov or your state's insurance marketplace, you know, contact your insurance company directly to find out what form you need to fill out to add your the newest member of your family to the plan. One way to save money on health insurance is by choosing a high deductible health plan. They reduce your premiums and make you eligible for a tax advantage health savings account or HSA. However, as the name implies, they do have higher than normal deductibles. That requires you to pay more out of pocket before your benefits begin. While it may reduce your premiums, it may not be the best choice for new parents who are likely to have lots of doctor visits and even some unexpected medical expenses. So if you can afford a policy that is not a high deductible, that may be a good choice for new parents. Again, you just really have to look at your options and see what is affordable for you. Again, you may qualify for a, you know a nice subsidy that will reduce the cost even for a, a lower deductible plan. If you've got health insurance through your employer, but you plan to leave the workforce after becoming a parent, another option is getting temporary continuation coverage, known as COBRA. That gives you the exact same medical, dental, and vision benefits that you've been getting for up to 18 months. However, you've got to pay the total premium on that. And a lot of people are paying less than, the, let's say, the retail price of those premiums because their employer is subsidizing a portion of that. That's why COBRA can be a lot more expensive than other options. 
And something many people are unaware of is that if you have HSA funds, you can actually use them to pay your COBRA premiums if you wish. You know, again, enrolling in COBRA, it's temporary. It's probably going to be more expensive than shopping for new coverage through a healthcare marketplace. Um, So I recommend shopping both ways and comparing your options and seeing what makes sense for your family. All right, the fourth strategy for family financial protection is buying life insurance. If your death would create a financial hardship for anyone you'd leave behind, like a child, a spouse, a partner, an aging parent, you need life insurance. That will pay one or more of your beneficiaries a set amount after you die. Now, if you're single or no one depends on your income, you know, you might need a very small policy just for funeral expenses or even none at all. But you do need life coverage if you're a working parent or even a stay-at-home parent. Don't make the mistake of not getting coverage for a parent with no income. I know a lot of stay-at-home moms who don't have any life insurance. If you're the working parent, consider how you would pay for future childcare costs without a life insurance policy if that stay-at-home parent died. You know, even though they're not earning an income, the service that they're providing to your family is valuable because you would have to pay for daycare. And as we know, you know, that can be very expensive. Or even if you wanted somebody in home like a nanny, um, that cost would certainly add up. If you had a life insurance payout, that would help you afford that cost. There are two basic kinds of life insurance term and permanent. Term provides a benefit if the policyholder dies during a period. It could be 10 years or 20 years. You get to choose that term. And it's a very inexpensive option that might only cost a couple of hundred dollars a year for half a million dollars of coverage. For instance, if you're in your 30s or 40s in relatively good health, you can get a 20-year term life insurance policy that would pay half a million dollars for about $30 a month or $360 a year. Now, the other type I mentioned, permanent life, has various options, but most provide a death benefit no matter when you die. So it's not just for a term, it would insure you for your entire life. And it also includes an investment that accrues value, kind of like all under the same product. It's a combination of uh, life insurance and an investment. Now, this is a great option if you have a beneficiary who might need future financial help no matter when you die, like, uh, let's say, you know, a, ch- a disabled child, uh, you know, maybe an aging parent, that sort of thing. But it's definitely more expensive than term life insurance. With all life policies, your health history, your credit, and your lifestyle, such as smoking and even like hobbies, like, you know, do you jump out of airplanes? Those sorts of things will significantly affect the cost. With life insurance, it's a product that you don't want to wait to get it because you're probably healthier today than you will be in the future. You're definitely younger today than you will be in the future. A good rule of thumb is to purchase a life insurance policy that pays at least 10 times your income. For instance, if you make $100,000, you might need a policy to pay your beneficiary a million dollars. However, factors such as the number of children you have, your future education expenses that you want to pay for them, mortgage payments, and the lifetime income needs of a surviving partner or spouse should also come into play. So, you know, you could need more or less than that number. 
If you've got life insurance through work, but it's not enough, you know, maybe it's only one times your salary or two times your salary, you can always buy additional policies to ensure your family is fully protected. You might get an additional policy through work, or you might get an individual policy on your own. You maybe want to compare those prices and kind of layer on additional life policies. And to find out how much coverage you need, it's a good idea to get some advice from a licensed life insurance agent. You want to consider answers to these types of questions. What assets do you own, like savings in the bank, investments in real estate, that could get liquidated to cover future expenses for your family? And how much debt do you have that's going to affect your family in the future after you die? And how much annual income would your surviving family members need and for how many years? And what are your estimated funeral costs? A traditional funeral can cost more than $10,000. So, you know, they can be much more expensive than you might think, even for a very simple funeral. Okay, the fifth strategy is getting disability insurance to protect your family's income. A very shocking statistic that comes from the Council for Disability Awareness is that one in four of today's 20-year-olds will have an injury or an illness that causes a long-term absence from work before they retire. So 25% of today's 20-year-olds are going to suffer a long-term disability. You're actually more likely to suffer a disability than you are to die before the age of 65. And when a long-term disability occurs, the average absence from work is about two and a half years. So that's a long time to be without income. What I've found is that disability insurance is an often overlooked financial safety net. It replaces a portion of your income, you know, not all of it. It could replace 60%, maybe 70% if you can't work due to a covered accident, illness, or injury. So that would allow you to keep up with your bills and meet your living expenses while you recover from that injury. And there are short-term policies and long-term policies. Um, In a lot of cases, you may have a short-term policy through work. And, you know, you may also need a long-term policy as well. And if you're thinking, well, doesn't Social Security provide disability benefits? Well, they're only available after you've been out of work for a year and are completely disabled, unable to work. So you can't rely on Social Security benefits if you do have a disability, Um, you know, if it's not going to be a, a complete disability. So if you don't have the option to purchase a disability policy at work, or if you do, but it's just not enough, definitely buy a private policy for yourself or for the breadwinner in your family. Again, this policy is for replacing income. So if you're not earning an income, if you're a stay-at-home parent, you don't need disability insurance necessarily. It's the, the working spouse that's bringing home the income that should have the disability policy. Okay, the sixth way to safeguard your financial future is by contributing to a retirement account. This is something that a lot of stay-at-home parents overlook. Um, So in addition to having emergency documents, savings, and the proper insurance, everyone should regularly invest in a tax-advantaged retirement account. Even if you want to work up to the day you die, you may not be physically or mentally healthy enough to do that. 
So you've got to prepare for retirement on your own. Whether you're a stay-at-home spouse, whether you're running a part-time business, or even if you're unemployed, you might qualify for a spousal IRA or individual retirement account. This is an IRS rule that allows non-earning spouses to contribute to a traditional or Roth IRA. However, you've got to be married and file taxes jointly to qualify. So if you're a stay-at-home parent, you're married, you file taxes jointly, you know, you're not earning any income, but your spouse is the breadwinner, that household income can go toward your IRA contributions. You have until your tax filing due date to fund a spousal IRA for the prior year. For instance, if you open an IRA by mid-April of 2023, you can fully fund a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or even a combination of those. You could put like a portion of one and the other uh, for 2022. Now, the IRA contribution limit for the spousal IRA is the same as everybody else. For 2022, it's $6,000. And if you're over age 50, you can put away up to $7,000. And as I mentioned, you could do both Roth and traditional. You could put $3,000 in a traditional IRA and $3,000 in a Roth IRA or any proportion you like. If you're a stay-at-home parent with business income, maybe you're a freelancer or, you know, running a small business from home, you've got other options. You might choose something like a SEP IRA or even a solo 401k if you wanted to contribute higher annual amounts. So you can put a lot more than $6,000 or $7,000 in those accounts, you know, if you've got higher levels of income. The seventh way to protect your family is to update your beneficiary information. Whenever you've got a life change, like a birth, death, marriage, or divorce, review the beneficiaries on your financial accounts, like bank accounts, retirement accounts, life insurance, health savings accounts, 529 college savings plans, brokerages, any cryptocurrency exchanges, all of them. In some cases, even if your will designates a beneficiary, what's shown on a retirement account can supersede it. In other words, if you list an ex-spouse on your 401k at work or your IRA, they may be entitled to it after your death even if they're not in your will. So even if your will says that your kids are supposed to get everything, if your retirement account says something different, what shows on your retirement account is what will legally happen. So always update your retirement beneficiaries to ensure that your family gets protected according to your wishes. Most parents will name their spouse as the primary beneficiary and children as the secondary beneficiaries. However, since minor children can't take ownership of assets until they reach the age of majority in your state, you should be sure to appoint a trusted guardian. And another option is to set up a trust if you've got minor kids. That would allow you to communicate how you want money for your heirs to be managed. And if you are interested in a trust, definitely get advice from an estate attorney to understand the best type of trust and the best way to protect your children after your death. The eighth strategy is to automate your family's financial goals. Automating various aspects of your financial life allows you to build financial safety nets more easily. Maybe it's your emergency savings or retirement contributions. Just having those happen without thinking about them. 
You might ask an employer to split up your paycheck deposits between checking and emergency savings. If you're self-employed, you might set up an automatic transfer from your checking into your emergency savings or your retirement account each month. If you can afford to set money aside for a child's future education without jeopardizing your own retirement, you want to start as early as possible by regularly funding a 529 college savings plan. You can use those funds tax-free for any college, university, vocational school, or post-secondary institution that's recognized by the U.S. Department of Education. If they accept financial aid, they will accept 529 funds. Qualified 529 expenses include room and board, tuition, books, fees, and equipment. And you can also use up to $10,000 tax-free for public or private schools for kindergarten through 12th grade students. So, you know, not only is the money and the savings good for college, but, you know, you can use it for younger kids. While 529 contributions are not tax deductible for federal taxes, some states will offer a tax deduction or a credit for residents who participate in an in-state 529 plan. So again, if you can afford to put some money aside for kids, uh, a 529 is a great option. So the idea is to treat your saving and investing like mandatory bills that you owe yourself, have them just automatically happen when that is possible. And even if you can only set aside small amounts each month, you're going to be surprised how quickly those balances grow over time. The ninth and final strategy that we'll cover and what I recommend is getting help from a certified financial advisor. If you've got financial questions, concerns, or maybe you just can't seem to get ahead enough to create these financial safety nets that I'm covering, you might benefit from the advice of a financial professional. They can help you create a budget, clearly understand priorities, and avoid potential risks that you could be overlooking. There is a cost to getting advice, of course, but I promise you that it can pay off in the long run. Diane also asked about preparing for potential divorce from a partner. And I would say that, you know, a couple of good things to think about are building your own credit, you know, having your credit accounts in your name so that if you were to split or divorce, you would have that ability to borrow on your own. And again, it's also something to talk to an attorney about because the laws vary significantly from state to state. And if you're entering a new relationship and thinking about uh, partnering up with somebody or getting married, you know, maybe a prenuptial agreement may be something that you want to talk about as a couple, especially if you've already got significant assets of your own that you want to make sure are protected. Communication is the key when it comes to couples' finances and family finances. Diane, I hope these strategies will give you direction for creating more financial safety nets. Don't tackle them all at once. You know, I've there's a lot here and nobody would be expected to do all of this at once. But make a goal to achieve maybe one or two slowly over time. Even putting one or two of them in place is going to give you and your family a lot of peace of mind that you're in control and you can deal with just about any unexpected hardship that might come your way. If you're like Diane and you've got a money question or maybe just a topic suggestion, visit lauradadams.com and email me using my contact page. Or you can leave a voice message by calling 302-364-0308. 
And at lauradadams.com, you can learn more about my work, books, and money courses. And if you haven't joined my free private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars, I'd love to have you. It is a fantastic group of people who are asking really smart questions. They're helping other people and they're reaching their financial goals. So just search for Dominate Your Dollars on Facebook. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to follow Money Girl on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening so you automatically get each new weekly episode. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Money Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with editing by Adam Cecil. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchins. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our intern is Cameron Lacey. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.